by the time I was like 27 or 28, I was on eight prescription medications, all doing a different thing. But the thing that medicine doesn't talk about, and by no means am I against taking medications, right? They all have a time and a place, but there are consequences. There's a consequence for a pharmaceutical medication. That is just the way that it works. And sometimes you have to outweigh, well, this consequence is still better than what I'm dealing with. Welcome to the Seeds of Growth podcast. My name is Pumehana Palmer. I'm a mindset and growth coach to new real estate agents, small business owners, and high-achieving female entrepreneurs. I believe that true success happens from the inside out, and I'm on a mission to plant seeds of growth and transformation, one powerful conversation at a time. Each week, I'll bring you a solo episode, interview, or coaching experience with business owners just like you to help you shift your perspective, elevate your beliefs, and build a business that inspires you. Now let's dive into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Seeds of Growth. My name is Pumehana Palmer, your mindset and growth coach. Today, I am so stoked for the conversation that I'm going to have today that we are going to have I am talking with one of my good friends, Ali Ramos, and Ali and I met each other, oh God, it seems like a lifetime ago when we first started our life coaching and coaching journey. So Ali is an integrative women's health coach specializing in those suffering from chronic health issues such as endometriosis and autoimmune disease. She is extremely passionate about working through a trauma-informed lens, as well as furthering her education. She will be finishing school at the end of this year to become a nutritional therapist, helping those suffering to use foundational health and food as medicine. Hey, Allie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you and I have known each other since, what was it, January? Yeah, I was, was it 20? It's 2020 or 20? Oh my goodness. I think it was 2021. Yeah. That's why I was like, what year was it? Yeah. Gosh. It's... Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. So over two years, we had what we were just talking about it. It was Journey. It was called Journey, J-R-N-I, when we first joined and now they changed to Lumia. But I'm so curious, what was it that brought you to journey and what was it that brought you to life coaching or getting a life coaching certification? God, it feels like so long ago that I made that decision that I'm like, what was it? I I mean, like you and I have talked about this. I had a big like career divorce, what I call it a career divorce. And the one thing that I really did like about the job that I had, which just for like reference was I used to manage a huge specialty veterinary center in California. And I was also a nurse, a veterinary nurse for a long time. But the one thing that I really liked about the last job that I had was the coaching aspect and a lot of employee issues, I would say, or problems that would come up needed coaching. And that's kind of where I was like, wait, could this be something more? And I, I wanted a certification specifically more for the mental health aspect of the practice that I'm hoping to have by the end of the year. And I think journey, Lumia, journey for, yeah, let's call it journey was like the starting point for that. What about you? What do you think it was for you? It was really interesting, actually. So in 2020, I, had done yoga teacher training. And the way that I did my yoga teacher or followed the nudge to do 
YTT was I was in a meditation and it was like just this random meditation. And I've heard this whisper like yoga teacher training. And it jarred me so much. And it seemed so out of the blue that I was like, the fuck? What? No. And I said, like, I can't do yoga teacher training. Like a, a former friend did yoga teacher training. And I thought that's an interesting thought that that was the first thing that came up is, no, I can't do that because somebody else did. And I ended up going through with it and it was great. And then afterwards, later on that year, I got that same intuitive nudge of life coaching course or coaching certification. And my yoga teacher training was so profound and phenomenal that I was like, okay, do the same thing and just make it happen, universe, like make it really, really easy. And it did. And then I went through it. And it was very interesting. It was very, very interesting. I can't remember if I told you this or not. I didn't finish, like, I didn't submit, like, my homeworks or all of the things. So. Oh, no, you didn't tell me that, no. Yeah, technically, I'm not certified. Like, I just did it. And I'm like, I'm okay without it. It's funny because I think in our class, I was the first one to finish. And I never got my certification right like I kept seeing everybody in our class like showing their like certificates Uh and I knew that like I was coming up to like when I was going to be moving right and they're like oh we'll just board it and I was like no internationally moving like why is my certificate lost and I just like in hindsight think that it's so funny now it was not funny to me then but it is funny to me now (laughs) I love that perspective right I think journey yeah and I think journey is a really good like in hindsight had I not done journey, I do not think that I would be on the path of knowing what I wanted to do career-wise. Actually has helped a lot. Like a lot of the, my classmates have never had the experience of coaching or in nutritional therapy, we call it motivational interviewing. So it's like, again, asking the right questions to lead your client to the right answer. And since I had done journey, I already have that. So it, it feels very natural and very easy when someone like a test client or something is talking about their symptoms for me to be like, okay, well, in my head, I'm like piecing together the puzzle, but I also have to make sure that I'm asking the right questions. I love that. That's really, really interesting because a lot of people just take questions and take answers at face value, right? But because of the coaching certification, because of our journey experience, you have that skill and you know that no there's something more there's something deeper than that and you can dig a little and challenge a little yeah like I said I think that I don't know if you felt this way when you finished it all but like I saw or you see certain coaches right that have like I don't even know some of them like have most wild niche to me and I hate I hate that word but like I just was like, I don't know what my niche is going to be. And I just was like, you know, I I had like a little bit of a niche for a while. And I was like, that's not it. That's not it. But you do see these coaches. They are coaches, right? And they have this huge social media following. And they seem to be doing really well. And yeah, their niche is so specific. And like, it feels like it's like this big. And for those that can't see me, it's like very tiny. (laughs) It's like an ant. It feels like it's like an ant. Um, And so I got stuck in the like imposter like I'm like I can't do this like I need to keep doing more and like 
to be fair, obviously, I have done multiple courses after doing Journey. But I don't think that like we always need to do more. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that or where you where you ended feeling or how you ended feeling about it. Oh, no, a thousand percent. Well, it it's a journey, right? <laughs> it's a journey. I mean, it's there is no end all be all. I've got the certification and now I'm complete. Now I I know my purpose and I know what I'm supposed to do. It's just it's just another door to go through, right? And same, you know, I've done so many other certifications. Hell, I did a whole nother the success coaching certification. So the success brand and franchise that you see, um, like Success Magazine, Tony Robbins and Grant Cardone, they're all on it, right? So they have a coaching certification as well. And I went through that and that was incredible. And I think because of what I learned from Journey, you know, that was so much more of a successful course for me. But I kind of, I want to backtrack though, talking about your niche because you have niche down now. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about your personal endometriosis journey. Yeah. Ellen, even that has been a new journey. (laughs) They just should not have changed their name. Like, I don't know what. Such great branding. Agreed. My journey. Okay. Yeah. I have, I have niche down. And it's so funny because I remember at some point in journey being like, like, I don't want to work in like the medicine realm. And just to be clear, like nutritional therapy is not medicine. It's nutritional therapy, but you are working with people, right? And you are working with sick people who generally have probably already been to multiple specialists, like so many different avenues and they're still sick. And then it's, it's finally like, okay, fine. I'm going to try something like non-conventional, which is actually quite a parallel to my own journey, specifically with endometriosis. Yeah. So I got diagnosed pretty early on in comparison to most people. I was diagnosed, I think around 16 or 17. And it didn't take me very long to get diagnosed, which is also not common. Most people struggle from like eight to 10 years to get a proper diagnosis. That being also said, in my evolution of diagnosis that I have, I don't generally care so much about what a doctor tells me is wrong with me. Like, I used to get really stuck on, okay, well, I have stage four, a clinical diagnosis of endometriosis, like I'm just doomed. And I know you and I have joked about this, how I'm not like a mindset person, right? But you actually have to start believing that healing is possible or you will not heal. And I got to the point in my own journey around like 2019, that like, it was so dark. It was such a dark hole. And I was on eight different prescription medications. I was working that job I was referencing. I, so my soul was just dying. Uh, like nothing about life was going well besides that I was making good money. And that supposedly I was like the highest that I could go in this career that I had worked for all of my professional life. Right. And yeah. And then eventually I got to the point where the only thing that I hadn't tried was the non conventional route. So, you know, more holistic approach, using food as medicine, stopping the idea that like a pill is going to solve everything or another surgery. And at that point, I had had five surgeries. So I had had five surgeries. I'm on eight prescription medications. I was doing like child's pose in my office when no one was watching with like a heating pad and like, like a TENS unit. I don't know if you know what a TENS unit is, like the little 
they send electromagnetic pulses to like the muscles or the area that's cramping on your body. Yeah, so that was my life. And um, I finally was going to the UC Davis, which is a huge hospital in California. I was admitted to their pain clinic. And part of the agreement was that I had to agree to go back to therapy because there was this psychosomatic attachment to pain. Right. And like they say that very eloquently. Hold on. So UC Davis, they they acknowledge that. Well, so they say that eloquently as if like, oh, we understand that some that somebody that is in this amount of pain probably needs this type of support. But I had been told multiple times, like, well, somebody in this amount of pain generally can misunderstand. And like, you know, sometimes they just think that they're in pain. Right. So I'm like, is this like a backhanded way of saying that like my pain isn't real. Interesting. Okay. So again, I'm just like, whatever. Yes, I'll go to therapy. Not opposed to it. Whatever. I'm not a religious person, but I do believe in like the universe. And I got paired with a therapist that practices psychoneuroimmunology. So that is the connection between your immune system, your nervous system, and your endocrine system. Right? So how are all of these things working together? And what are the consequences? which is a huge movement for people in the autoimmune world. And technically, endometriosis isn't yet considered an autoimmune disease, but it still has like the cytokines and the inflammatory markers that label something as an autoimmune disease. So I would say give it a few years and they'll consider it one finally. Yeah, so I was like, sure, I got paired with this therapist. And I remember looking at him and being like, yeah, well, the doctors are like the pains in my head. And he was like, yeah, the pain is in your head. And when he said that to me, I didn't hear it from like the coaching therapist perspective, right? Like I heard it as I was like, wait, what do you mean the pain is in my head? And now years later, I'm like, oh yeah, like the physical, emotional, traumatic experiences that I had in very early childhood are stored in our bodies. So yes, not just in my head, but for me and my other parts of my body. And when I started doing this type of therapy, Again, it was hard for me because I was trained in Western allopathic medicine, right? Like, if you get an infection, then you take this antibiotic. If you have, you know, X, Y, and Z, you take this pill. And that is really how I was trained in medicine. So the concepts that he was talking to me about, it definitely like took a long time for things to click for me. And then it started to click. And I got very vested. And this is kind of when Journey came into the picture in learning about the mind-body connection and the pain-body connection. And then I think this is right around when like the holistic psychologist put out her book, you know, how to do the work. And in the book, she references somebody that has, ironically, her name is Ali, and I've met her and talked to her. And she has multiple sclerosis in the book. And she's talking about how she does this practice, right? And she calls it a baby step in the book. But doing so has made it to where her body has learned to trust her again. And if she can trust herself, then she can start to heal. And so I had started to like, these pieces had started to click. And while I was like, okay, well, this isn't endometriosis. This is multiple sclerosis. Maybe maybe it's different. And then I picked up the book, When the Body Says No by Gabor Mate. And that was a hard book to read. So I found listening to it was a lot easier for me. And he references a lot of things in that book. And I found a specific, he was interviewed on just like a podcast. This is before he's really big now. Like he is so big now and he was big then, but he was just on some Joe Schmo podcast. And 
the guy asks him about endometriosis because he says, hey, I have a friend and she has really bad endometriosis. Do you think that this could be trauma? And I was like, oh my God, someone's finally asked about this specific disease that I have. And Gabor Mate answers it. And he's like, yes. And you see this connection. You see these stored emotions of shame and guilt in these women with endometriosis or fibromyalgia. And if they are willing to do the work, then you can see that their symptoms start to get better. So that was kind of like my evolution with it. And to be honest, what is it, 2023? I haven't had issues with my endo since probably late 2020 like it started to get better then and then i would say it's definitely better by 20 end of 21 incredible and i say that it's a journey because now i'm on a different journey i have recently been working through a different autoimmune flare i should say this because i already said this i'm not focusing so much on what it is we're treating it as if it's lupus which is another autoimmune condition that has a relationship with high estrogen levels, which also endometriosis is. So it's not super shocked that somebody that had a history of endometriosis could present with something like lupus. But now that I have this like arsenal of knowledge, I am really trying to look at it as something very different. Like, sure, maybe it is lupus, but what are the symptoms? What are like what are they coming up as? I'm working with a functional medicine doctor, but I also have this so much of my own knowledge that it's like I it's um almost like an invitation to learn to trust myself again, if that makes sense. That's so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that whole story, that whole, your whole journey thus far. For lack of a better, that's such an incredible that's the theme for today's episode is journey in more ways than one. But what I'm hearing is just this incredible level of acceptance, of acceptance that, and not settling or anything like that, but just like, this is where we're at. And what I'm hearing is you addressing it with these different modalities with, like you said, you have an an arsenal of knowledge, right? And you're asking yourself and you're saying, how can we move through this, right? So let's let's accept it for exactly what it is, not necessarily the labels that we put on it, especially Western medicine, but for what it is, what is here, what's showing up, what I'm experiencing, and how we can move move through it. So you spoke to, you said functional me- medicine, right? Yeah. How does functional and integrative medicine and mental health, so tell me how that all kind of coincides with each other. Well, and also maybe a lot of people don't know what it is. So maybe explain it. I'll explain it a little bit differently. So functional medicine is very much about getting further diagnostics, right? And the best way that I explain this is, for example, your doctor wants to do blood work on you, which is great. Right. You see, go get your blood work panel run. The problem with that is that in the United States, the labs that we use. So just think of your generic lab, right? Like Quest Diagnostics, let's say, and you take this clip and they give you your results. Now, those results are based on a population each year that the lab chooses, right? The problem is the population of the United States is not generally a healthy population. So those numbers are going to fluctuate, right? Like, What's a normal level is going to change based on the population, if that makes sense. 
So functional medicine looks at that and it's like, I don't care what the population is doing. This is the optimal range in which your blood work should be. And if it's not there, we're going to work to get it there. And we're not just going to give you pills. We're going to maybe, if it's necessary, for example, like I have a, a very underfunctioning thyroid in functional medicine. In Western medicine, the doctor was like, well, your numbers look fine. But when you look at all of my symptoms and all my problems that go along with it, and if you look at my range, I'm at like right at like teetering and flirting with normal. So the functional medicine doctor was like, mm, actually, I don't really like that. I want to use a non-synthetic version of a hormone medication for your thyroid. So it's kind of like an example of the difference between the two. The integrative approach to all of it is, and where I want to use the word integrative approach in my practice is it's not just what's happening to you physically, but what's happening to you mentally as well. You know, there's this idea that mental health and physical health are separated, right? Like if you want to work on your mental health, you go to your therapist. If you want to work on your physical health, you go to the doctor. The problem is that creates such a disconnect in your treatment plan. So for me, and and again, when I talk about like this circle of things that closed for my own practice, it's journey really gave me the, the certification for coaching, the understanding of the mental aspect, right? Like I did so much of my own research and my own time on trauma and understanding what trauma does to the body over time and like chronic stress. Then I studied under somebody, uh, functional diagnostics. So again, that goes back to like using diagnostics in the more optimal ranges. And then I'm closing it with nutritional therapy and foundational health. So it's not excluding medication because there is a time and there is a place for medication, but it is not the end all be all. And unfortunately, whether that be a mental health condition or a autoimmune condition, I think people think like that's, that's all that they can do, right? There's no reversing some of these things. Which is not true. Sorry, I'm just taking a second to pause mm-hmm. because that's, I think that's so huge. And I think that I actually really appreciate that the idea and the term trauma has been more normalized and that just society as a whole is starting to really, yes, see the integration between our childhood and the things that we experienced and how that stays with us and how really trauma informs how we show up today as adults. It's really hard. It's really hard. Oh yeah. To even look back, especially, I mean, we look at, at the different attachment styles. We love our parents, right? We are born to love and adore our parents and we rely on them so heavily And it's really interesting because even now myself, I have a hard time. I mean, I struggle because I'm like, why am I like this? Even though that's not the best, that's not the best question to ask. But then, you know, there's so much cognitive dissonance because like, especially now that I'm a parent, I look at the things that my children do. And then I run it through the filter and the lens of, oh my goodness, if, if I did that when I was your age, you know, that was just unacceptable. And just that idea of of trauma and our experiences informing our decisions, informing our actions, informing who we are. 
And now you're saying that our trauma and experiences are informing how our body operates. Yeah. And it's, I'm glad that you are putting those things together because sometimes I'm in this weird space, right? Like what I mean by that is even in the more integrative approach to things, right? Like people will mention, oh, like chronic stress, prolonged stress, and like what that does to your cortisol levels. And like eventually that affects what we call the HPA axis and that will affect everything, right? But what they're not connecting is that chronic stress can be something that happened to you so early. Like when you, so when you're referencing attachment styles, like that could be as early as being a baby. And people don't see that yet. Like we are definitely starting to. But I think the thing is, at least in the space of nutritional therapy, a lot of people are afraid of trauma, right? Like nobody wants to make anything worse, which is fair. And I do see on the flip side of that, I have seen a lot of coaches, a lot of gurus that coin themselves as trauma-informed, potentially doing more damage to an individual, right? So there is a fine line between those things. And it you're right. Like the way that trauma or early childhood trauma specifically affects the body is insane, right? Like it changes the body at a fundamental level, like at a cellular level. Yeah. It's so fascinating. And I would even go so far as, and I I remember making some people uncomfortable. I made some people uncomfortable and then I even caused some intellects to be like, huh. But I would say like a child's experience starts from when they're in utero and the things that the mother is going through while they are in as one, you know, that plays a role. It absolutely does play a role. And some people are just like, mm, I don't know. It's just, a, it's a baby. It's just a thing. Like, no, that's so true though. Like I've even actually had this conversation with my own therapist. It's not new. Like people like in the whole birthing world are starting to really talk about what happens to the mom? Because if you think about what I just said, right? Like trauma, chronic stress changes the body at a cellular level. Well, if a baby is in the mom's body, that is, you know, essentially it's barrier to the outside world, then is that concept really that crazy? No. Like, I don't think so. I agree. I 100% agree. Where do we go from here? As coaches, I teach from a, and I help support from a mindset and I speak to small business owners or business owners and entrepreneurs and looking at their life their life and looking at their business through the lens of a growth mindset a positive mindset and just very growth and transformation oriented as far as the clients that you are serving and now will be serving from the nutritional aspect, you know, what kinds of transformations are you looking to and will you be facilitating for your clients? Yeah. So you kind of like when you were talking a few minutes back, you reminded me of some a conversation that I was having with a friend the other day. Right. And I think this is a, a very valid argument. A lot of people will come into the space for a lot of people that suffer with, let's even say mental health issues or autoimmune issues, right? They'll come with, well, it's genetic, right? Like my mom has this, or my dad had this, or you know, whatever relative that they want to reference, which there's truth to that, right? There is, there is truth to our genetics. 
but it, there is also something called epigenetics. The really cool thing about epigenetics is that it allows you to change the environment and it allows you this space. And again, as I mentioned, I am not a mindset person, but I would love if more mindset about what being well looks like comes into my space, right? Like comes into if people could really, I don't want to say manifest, but if they could envision, that's the word I want to use, if they could envision what a well a well person looks like, or I, I don't want to use the word healed because that implies that your health journey ends and it doesn't. Like I mentioned before, somebody who is now working through my own new autoimmune disease, right? It doesn't end, it changes. And it would be very easy for me to say, well, now I'm back where I was before. And I actually did catch myself saying that. I was like, well, shit, in the last 68 trauma therapy sessions were, were garbage and I did nothing. And then allowing myself to have these conversations just like this one, it really does open your eyes to, okay, no, like epigenetics, like the idea and the belief that I can do this again is what is making it possible. So I would love to bring that into, <laughs> into my own practice, right? The, the thing with nutritional therapy, though, is it's really addressing your foundational health. Right. And I posted something on my social media yesterday about blood sugar regulation. And when you hear blood sugar regulation, what's the first thing that you think of? Diabetes, like sugar muffins. I don't. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So you think of sugar foods, you think of, oh, candy, like, okay, great. Like, so you at least have like the concept, but there's actually a connection between a dysregulated blood sugar and mood disorders. There's so many connections that people are not making that is just a foundational aspect, right? Like you don't necessarily have to take a medication to correct a blood sugar imbalance. Like, sure, if you're truly diabetic, we're talking about two different things. And I'm not talking about the autoimmune diabetes. I'm talking about your diabetes that we're seeing a rise of. So that's one foundation. Another foundation is gut health, which is a buzz. I feel like there's a lot of buzzwords around gut health, but like what that actually means, what that actually looks like. It's not just, you know, taking every supplement to fix something. Otherwise, you're just taking another pill for another ill. Oh, that's, I'm sorry. That's really funny. Taking another pill for another ill. Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, like that saying? No, that saying. Uh, I mean, I say it all the time, but I'm sure it's not. I didn't make it up. Okay. But that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense because, you know, that's what a lot of people, oh, like you said, you came from the back in the medical background of like, X plus Y equals pill, right? Right. Yeah. Interesting. So to that point, though, I have, I took the Viome test because I see a physical therapist, not for anything specific, but I know that we need to work with our body as a whole. And he talks, I mean, I got the Viome kit, the gut health kit, and that was fun because, you know, Got to found out. In the paper. Yeah. I got to poop in the paper and then send it in the mail. Yeah. Um, there's there's so but- many, like there's so many different variations of it now too. And like to be honest, it is great when somebody has a diagnostic test to look at. Like there's something called a GI map, which is again another stool test. But it does look at these like overgrowth that a lot of people have or parasites. Oh my God. We could go we could do a whole podcast about parasites, but you know, just all these disturbances that people have within their gut. And the thing is, again, people are talking about like what caused those, right? We live in a world where so many things are trying to insult our gut microbiome. 
Oh my God. Gut microbiome. But, but the other thing that insults that is trauma and chronic stress, right? So these people that want to do, that really want to get well, but are not willing to go and do the work, I think are really going to struggle. You could do nutritional therapy, you could do functional diagnostics, like you could get your gut tested, you could do all of those things, right? And you could follow it to a T and still have symptoms and still have issues if you're really not wanting to do the work. Because that's just the band-aid. Right? That's just the band-aid of what's really, really hurting inside. And I mean, now I really want to go and read that book when your body says no. Yeah. It's one of his older books, to be honest. I haven't read his new one just because international shipping is expensive. But And I, I am not a Kindle person. I am like, give me a hard book. But, <laughs> and also because I am in school and literally you should see my whiteboard of like things I have not finished this week of schooling. Um, so I don't need to add any more reading to my anatomy and physiology book that is now my monitor stand and you know, <laughs> that is not my monitor's then. That's hilarious. Yeah. I love that. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. But I, I kind of want to go back to what you said of allowing people the space to envision what healthy looks like. I think because we are, we're so clouded. Well, I mean, I, I could go a, a couple of different ways, right? Uh, within the they even just say the manifestation, the subconscious level, right? Our subconscious doesn't recognize or doesn't know negatives. So when people say, I want to not be sick, you know, your your subconscious is just like, oh, sick. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Simon Sinek talks about, he has a viral video that was like, don't think of a blue elephant. In order for you to not think of a blue elephant, you need to think of what a blue elephant is and then not that. Right. That's the first thing I just did when you said that. Exactly. Exactly. So our subconscious works like that. And for people who really who want to be healthy right you need to get really really clear on what that looks like you were talking about epigenetics and dr joe dispenza talks about epigenetic that's his thing and his story of you know when he he was in that bike accident and he took months to and unfortunately though because he I, I can imagine that this wasn't very easy even if he was a chiropractor is but he visualized every single day his spine and placed in his mind like one vertebrae at a time and he would do that every single day and he'd get knocked off track and then he'd do it again and do it again and i think that's truly where we need to start in any transformational journey is let's get really clear on what you do want. Yeah, it's it's funny that you say this too. Like, what what's your definition of healthy? I don't know if you saw the reel that I posted the other day of like, in my 20s, this is what I thought healthy looked like. And what I think it looks like now has very little to do with what I thought it looked like in my 20s, right? Like, Sure, take your antidepressant in the morning and your Ambien at night and make sure you get up the next morning and that you go to work and then go to the gym because you don't want to gain any weight. Um, But eat whatever you want and make sure you get the Instagram filtered photos so that you can post that of your weekend. Right? That's what 20s looked like. Uh, Literally. And it didn't matter to me that I was relying on so many... I mean, like I said, by the time I was like 27 or 28, I was on eight prescription medications, all doing a different thing. But the thing that medicine doesn't 
talk about, and by no means am I against taking medications, right? They all have a time and a place, but there are consequences. There's a consequence for a pharmaceutical medication. That is just the way that it works. And sometimes you have to outweigh, well, this consequence is still better than what I'm dealing with, right? And now when I think about, I don't even like the word healthy anymore, because when I think of that word, I think of this like fake, perfectly curated TikTok video. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like the girls that wear their like, their sets, their perfect like yoga sets, and they walk through New York City and they get their matcha and then they're like, taking like they're juicing and like in the video yep. right and i'm just like is that healthy like is is that what healthy looks like because now i would almost change the word to well like how do i feel when i feel well mm-hmm. and and do i have to feel well every day to be a well person because that's like the the journey i'm on right now and actually if my functional medicine doctor ever listens to this podcast, like hands down, he is the best doctor I have ever worked with. He is a very good listener, but he even said to me, Allie, I need you to be a little bit less rigid with when you do have bad pain days and that you need to take a medication for it because I have swung so far (laughs) the other way that I'm like, I can't take a Tylenol or I can't take a pain medication because it disrupts my gut microbiome, right? And it's true. It does do that, right? But life is about balance. Being a a well person doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. It doesn't mean that you might not get sick. It doesn't mean that days might not be depressive days. So yeah, I think like, it's so crazy to me how much my definition of that has changed. That's so interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, I think that's huge because even just to the point of (laughs) taking a Tylenol, because I'm like that too. I'm like, nope, if I have a headache or if I, not that I'm comparing my. No, 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 but I get what you're, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't need to take that. I just, oh, if I have a headache, that means I, I didn't, I, I wasn't enough. Yeah. Yeah. That means I didn't whatever you didn't drink do as much water as I should. Exactly. That something's missing, that I didn't do something. I'm not enough, which is so, so, so interesting. But to even just it's acceptance, it's acceptance that this is where I am now. This is this is what I'm feeling. And this is this is what I'm going to choose to do, because we always have a choice. We always, always, always have a choice. Yeah. And there's so many different ways I think that people, you know, we have talked about in this, you know, in this chat about going to therapy and coaching and nutritional therapy and doctors. And like, to be honest, A, some people can't afford that. Or B, I have personally had a lot of people tell me like, traditional talk therapy doesn't work for me. Like, I just, I don't. And I, do you know what? Like with the wrong person, I would agree. I would agree. I think that cognitive behavioral therapy is not for everybody. It's not for me. Like if I did not have a non-traditional therapist, it just wouldn't work. I can understand that. No, a thousand percent. And that's exactly how I felt about my other therapist. I loved her to death. But there came a point where I was like, it's been four years and I'm talking about the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why like, I even mentioned to you, and I'm not saying that everybody, this is for everybody either. But in my own journey, again, I have started using microdosing as a 
I guess, non-traditional therapy, even though I'm in therapy and he's aware that I am using microdosing of psilocybin to be exact, there is a level of like radical self-acceptance, I would say, and compassion that you do over time start to feel. I don't know. Have you seen the docu-series, How to Change Your Mind? Is that on Netflix? It's in my, it's in my list. So there's that one. I wouldn't say like you have to watch all of it, but it is quite interesting on why psychedelics kind of got taken out of mainstream medicine and now how they're being introduced back. There's also the Netflix documentary with Jonah Hill and his therapist. And I felt so seen by that. Oh my God. Can we, I watched it. I think I might've watched it twice. And the second time around, I was like taking notes. Cause I was like, that's why I wanted to watch the second time literally I thought that was amazing but yes please continue I'm just like those things that like those two things together I think are such game changers right so the thing that stands out to me most about the docu with Jonah Hill and his therapist that is not traditional talk therapy right and I am so I'm like so jealous that I didn't actually think of the idea, to be honest with you. Like I, if someone could record my therapy session, like, OK, yeah, let's do this. So, hey, I'm jealous of it. But it really, really shows what you can accomplish when somebody sees you. And like, that's why I'm saying you don't always have to have the validation or the seen aspect of it coming from a therapist, although it can be done that way. And then also pairing that same docu series with How to Change Your Mind, which is super fascinating, right? It's done by Michael Pollan, who is extremely intelligent and just an amazing individual. And I really appreciate that he treats it very much as like a teaching docu series. Mm. And I think if anyone is like looking to understand why people used psychedelics in the first place in like the medicinal realm, and why people are doing it now. It does a great job at explaining that. And I watched it before I started or before I made the decision to do a microdosing experiment. But for me personally, it has given me kind of how you said where you're like, well, I'm talking about the same thing I was talking about four years ago. Like it's that level of like something has to be either lowered or you have to break through with something. And Unfortunately, like for me, with the amount of trauma that I experienced really early on in childhood, it's super hard to do by myself. So I kind of see it as like a a tool. I think there is a misconception that people are like, well, I'm just going to do mushrooms and like I'll be cured. Like, absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. And if you are an individual that has a lot to work through, I don't think it's going to be a very pleasant experience the first few times with the bigger the bigger doses or the bigger journeys as they call it. (laughs) Goodness gracious. Which is what I mean that, and that makes a lot of sense, which is why there's so many retreats, which is why there are facilitators out there. Like this isn't, I mean, even just like a fundamental level of we are social creatures. Like we need support. We cannot do this on our own. I kind of want to go back. You said something that, you said that even just by watching Stutz, you felt so seen. Mm-hmm. Couple of things. One, what I really admired about that documentary was at one point Stutz wanted to, he was doing his job and he wanted to lead Jonah to, I guess, do a little exploration on himself. And 
I don't know if it was, I mean, but, but Jonah had set a boundary. He's like, I would if this was a regular session, but this is a film and this film is about you and not about me. There's a couple of different ways that you could look at it, but immediately what came to mind was he has done, Jonah has done so much work that he is not jumping to the opportunity to feel seen or heard from someone else. That he can set that boundary and that he can say that the purpose of what we are doing here is this is for other people. This is not for me. And I was just like, dang, if that were me. Well, A, the boundary alone is like, for me, I'm just like, oh my God, for all of us, it's just like. Amazing. <laughs> goals, man, goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, the way that they, I don't know if it was the way they filmed it or edited it or whatever, you know, I think when I say it makes me feel seen, it's so non-conventional. And I have been in the world of non-conventional therapy for the last few years. And at times when I would, I don't know, it would come up and be like, oh, well, my therapist, my therapist says, like, that was going to be my next merch line, my therapist says. Um, <laughs> people would almost like look at me and be like, your therapist said that? Or like, how do you know that about your therapist? And I, I finally got to the point where I was just like, listen, if I didn't have this type of therapy, I would have given up a long time ago. And the thing that I like about that docu is that he brought that to light, right? Like he made it, it, it almost made it feel like, okay. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yesterday I had a, it wasn't a crazy therapy session, but it was a therapy session that I had never, ever, ever done in my life. <laughs> I can't remember if we had talked about this before we hit record or not, but I got to my session, I got to the office and I was like, energy is a little low today. I was like, I'm not feeling negative. I actually had a really great day up till this point. It's just energy is a little low. And she's like, well, I have a yoga mat. Do you want to, do you want to stretch or do you want to go for a walk? And I like, I was like, oh, I didn't even think that I could do that in a session. And so I, I was grabbing the yoga mat to stretch. And then she said, or do you want to go for a walk? And I stopped. I was like, yes, please. Like, let's go for a walk. Also, because it was a nice, bright, sunshining day, and I knew that the vitamin D in itself would be helpful. So we took a couple of walks, I mean, a couple of laps around the block, and that was amazing. And something that I shared on our walk was, you know, right before I had done a bit of a coaching session with, it was like a, like a freebie coaching session with a friend. And I told her, I was like, when I coach, other people, I feel seen. And she's like, that's different. She's like, how, how's that? And I was like, I don't know, man. When I ask somebody a deep question and then shut the fuck up and let them answer, for some reason, I feel fulfilled. I was just going to say, that's the word that comes when you're talking about it is more a fulfillment then what's the word like versus being seen i think it's more this level of if i could do this i don't know let's say you had to work eight hours a day six hours a day and if every hour was filled with something that fulfilled you or made you feel that way you know like for some of us we wouldn't even call it a job Mm -hmm. 
Agreed. And that's the goal, right? I don't know. Is that the goal? <laughs> For some it is. I don't know. I feel like my my coaching, I don't even know, journey. And that word. <laughs> that word. What is that word in this episode? I feel like SEO is going to be there. Pam's upset about it. By the way, guys, Pam is the, uh, the peacock. Because did we mention this? That Allie lives in Costa Rica, guys. So she's got friends. So my neighbor is a peacock. Which we don't know if it's a boy or a girl. So yes. Pam, but we changed it. We changed it yeah. to Pat. It's Pat. Yeah, I only think that it's a boy because we Googled that generally peacocks are male. But we don't actually know this. So we've been calling the peacock Pam. And Pam likes to go off during podcasts or work. Or really whenever. Whenever it feels like it. It feels like it. All right, my friend. This was an incredible conversation. I am so, so happy that we did this. I've learned so much about you and just and about nutritional and functional medicine and integrative medicine and mental health and everything. So I'm super excited to present this and to offer this to our listeners and see how this really serves them and whatnot. Yeah. That's really my goal with everything is education, right? How much how much more positive, how much uh, healthier would people be with education? So how can our listeners and our followers get more Allie? How can they interact with you on the interwebs? On the interwebs, generally Instagram, you know, I'm a true millennial. I know what lane I belong in. I tried TikTok. It didn't go well. I mean, I try. I still try TikTok. But yeah, I am that endo gal. That's probably, it will stay that way, even though obviously my world has opened up, but that's where I started. So to me, that endo gal on Instagram, also on Lemonade, which is a real cool new social platform. If you guys haven't heard about that. What is this? It's kind of, it's owned by TikTok, but it's as if, Pinterest and Instagram had a baby. So it's perfect for millennials. And it doesn't favor videos. It likes static photos and like long captions, which we know I love. So I'm excited. Oh my goodness. I love that. Okay. What's your, I'm going to go and look at this right now. What's your handle on there? Same. I'm just that and no gal on everything. Across the board. Love it. Love it. Love it. And you've got a newsletter. Yes. I do. I have a monthly newsletter. They can sign up for that. Generally, I try educate a lot or provide in there. So um, I only do it once a month. That's linked in my Instagram bio. And I will be taking on clients at the beginning of next year, but I'm going to open probably a list, like a wait list at the end of the year. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Well, my friend, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate this. Thank you. It was great chatting with you. You too. Thanks so much for listening. If this episode served you, please do me a small favor and head to your favorite podcast platform to rate and review the show. Your small act will play an exponential role in getting these powerful conversations out into the world. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at at Pumehana Palmer and DM me with your insight and takeaways. See you next time. Aloha.